This episode of Let's Think On It comes from an excerpt from O Brother Radio with Will Lockamy, Reed Lockamy, and Dr. Mark Westfall. Yeah, um, okay, let's continue this talk. Let's start with Dr. Stephen Austad, who uh, is on the show every couple weeks. He's the head of the bio department at UAB, and we talk about what's new in science all the time. And two months ago, right, there was something that was new in science. It was this virus uh, called, at the time, just a new coronavirus. Right, exactly. And it, it infected 100 people. And I said, you know, if this actually is transmitted from person to person, this could this could be a problem. Yeah. Uh, but then we didn't know. We didn't know. It could have been a very local, confined uh, infection, but obviously it didn't. Now we're 250,000 and yeah. counting. And so. when you first became aware of it, like, where, where'd you see that? How did you know about that before? It was, in, it was in the scientific literature. It was just a little note about this yeah. new coronavirus that people were starting to pay attention to. Um, the Chinese had known about it for a few weeks at that point, but they hadn't really taken it seriously. And unfortunately, there was a little delay because they didn't really want to admit that they were having this right. problem. That's a whole other thing. You know, I was talking to a nephew of mine earlier today and, and was uh, mentioning to him that I had been startled when I read something uh, earlier today about how the first case, I think, they weren't aware of even aware, much less telling people, but weren't even aware of the first case until December first of twenty nineteen. And look where we have come in just you know three and a half months. That's uh, sometimes when people are like, well, the numbers are so small right now. I think, but good gravy, these are early days with this virus. Well, and I think people don't appreciate what exponential growth is like, right. and that's what happened. And I have this. This way of explaining it to my students, which is this. Let's imagine I gave you $100,000 a day, every day for a month, but you had the choice. I could give you a penny mm. on day one, and two pennies on day two, and four pennies on day three, and do that for a month. Which would you rather have? And it turns out yeah. that the penny that approach. penny growing exponentially would be more than the three million dollars that i would have given you if i'd given you a hundred thousand a day hard for people to conceptually our grandfather used to do the same thing with us about like i'm gonna hire you to paint houses for one penny blah 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 blah, blah. and it was a really good you know way to think about like oh yeah boy that's that's crazy how big those numbers get yeah our, our intuition is just useless in these kinds of things you really right. do need math that's right yeah <laughs> i'd heard that penny experiment before, but I'd never heard it based against a, like, oh, you get $100,000 per day kind of deal. I just heard like, you wouldn't believe what you would have if you just yeah. doubled a penny. That's a good way to talk day. about it. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. Today they announced it was the first day that there were no new cases, right, of the virus in Wuhan. Do we believe that? Do we believe that's what's going on? I'm not, I mean, honestly, like, I don't know what to think about. I, I, I don't think we can believe the numbers that are coming out of China at this point, but they've clearly slowed it down. Um, there was an analysis done by an by a infectious disease modeler who calculated that if they hadn't done this draconian quarantine, that by the end of February, they would have had uh, 8 million cases. And by today, they probably would have had 100 million cases instead of 80 1,000 cases, which was what they're reporting. So that just shows these things can work. And they haven't been quite that successful in Italy. They've, they've got a late start on it. And now, t today, of course, Italy passed China for the most deaths 
But um, the thing worth noting that you just said, and this is the thing that I see a lot of people on Facebook, for example, who they, they don't seem to understand this, is that it's not like it just flared up in Wuhan and then died out. It has died out because they have, like you said, draconian measures in place. People have not been leaving their house. Um, it's it's hardcore, much different from the inconvenience that we're seeing in our country at this time. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I don't think a democracy uh, could ever impose no. the, that strict a quarantine, unfortunately. And they're saying that the that citizens will not be able to leave their homes until there are 14 straight days of no new cases, which means if the new case pops up in four days from now, it starts all over again. They have to have 14 days in a row, apparently, of no new cases before people... Uh, can leave their homes, and so that, that that's what the government's saying, at least there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that is a pr- well. Here we go. So like, if we took drastic measures, and I, and we are starting to take some pretty serious measures, people are taking sure. it seriously now. Um, and hopefully, the best case scenario is that we can stop this thing as fast as possible and limit uh, the casualty rate as much as possible. The only flip side of that is what we're seeing what we talked about on Facebook about like the China numbers people saying oh well, it's not that big of a deal we're this is overreaction right overreaction like oh, you made us not go to work right. and only 178 people died like uh, but, but they won't realize that no it's because we didn't go to work is why it wasn't 1.7 yeah there's people. a built-in sort of cognitive dissonance here yeah, like it's you're gonna look if you're successful it's gonna look like you overreacted and um that's okay at this point. I mean, uh, we can't do what China did. It was, this country would never stand for it, but we have to take it seriously. And finally, we are. Yeah. Um, you know, canceling everything that's been canceled. The governor, I'm fully behind everything the governor said that she's doing. Today. Well, we mentioned earlier the uh, Imperial College report that people have started to see now. And I, um, I sent my mom a text message and I said, uh, hey, look at this thread on Twitter where this guy goes through and talks about the Imperial College report. And I said, make sure you read the whole thread. And she texted me back and said, well, I read the whole report. And then I read that thread you sent me and I really could have just read the thread. And I was like, mom, no one reads the whole report. She's listening right now, by the way. Yeah, she read the the whole report. She's listening. She read the whole report. Um, And I said, well, good news. You're now much more of an expert than most people are. But part of what was so startling about that were, number one, the numbers. You know, when you look at like, oh, geez, if we don't do this the right way, those numbers are going to get big in a hurry. And number two is that if we do a good job of, you know, suppressing, not mitigating, but suppressing, um, and then we start to loosen our belts a little bit, there's a good chance we're going to have to suppress again until we get vaccinations, which are going to be, you know, over a year from now. Yeah, I mean, it's really important that people pay attention to the experts, yeah. not to the experts on Facebook, right. to the real experts, because there are really talented people who are paying a lot of attention and doing a lot of work on this. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a break uh, here in just a second, but Dr. Mark Westfall is going to be hanging out with us as well, because this is important. Um, I know so many people that are really stressing out about this, and the thing I can I can tell them is just a... Uh, dummy is look you're not in this by yourself at all like what you the stress you're feeling everyone we're all kind of dealing with this at the same time and hopefully that is something that's very helpful i mean yeah people i mean that's we're a social being so when you know someone else is going through the same thing it's it's very reassuring 
Yeah, I think it's a great thing to tell people. So, um, yeah, we can talk a lot about that. And I've got a question back to Dr. Allstat as well. So Okay, cool. Well, let's go ahead and, and reset here at the top of the hour. And then when we come back, we will hit all of that and much, much more. Dr. Mark Westfall is here with us. He was here last week, of course. Brought two fantastic specialists with him. Uh, our listeners loved that. They were great. Yeah, they went yeah, crazy. Steve Ruckheld and uh, Landon Westfall. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Dr. Stephen Allstad here as well, which you guys, of course, all know. Uh, head of the bio department from UAB joins us every couple of weeks and warned us about uh, the coronavirus two months ago. So well before it was in the news here, um, yeah. which is crazy. I mean, I believe you that we talked about. It. I don't remember talking about it. Because it was just like, oh, that's interesting. Okay, next thing. I remember. I think we were on location. Uh, we were. Came up yeah. briefly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's no question. So, yeah. okay, I know you guys had questions for each other. Who would like to start here? Let me, yeah. let me, I'm going to go back to something you brought up about flattening the curve. I've got a question on this. So, everybody, uh, most people probably heard about it, but we're trying, to, you know, to disperse out how quickly people get uh, transmit the infection. Does flattening the curve mean that fewer people actually get it in the long run, or is it we're just spreading out the rate of transmission and over the course of a year, the same number of people might get it, but it doesn't overwhelm the healthcare system. Do you understand my question? Yeah, but it, it, so it depends on the nature of the virus. In this case, we'd take either, of course, so that the healthcare system doesn't get overwhelmed. But it's looking like as long as this virus seems to remain viable when it's outside of a person, that we're probably just going to spread it out. Although if you do something draconian, like the Chinese did, you really can reduce the number of cases mm-hmm. that, uh, because otherwise, you know, there. A friend of mine uh, actually asked me the other night, "Well, why don't we just let it go through here and we'll have this herd immunity?" And I did a few quick calculations. I said, "Well, if we did that, you know, from what we know now, it looks like we'd have two or three million people die." Right. That doesn't sound like a very yeah. good alternative yeah. to me. But and and so if you spread it out over the year, you may have. A significant number of deaths as well, but I think the other, but you'll have fewer, if nothing else, because you'll have the healthcare system to take care of them to get them through, right? That's right. And also the other people who need the healthcare system will be able to have right. access. So you have to fewer it. deaths uh, unrelated to the coronavirus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that's to help people understand that, that the reason we're make, having all these, uh, you know, dramatic changes in what we're doing as a society is to, because it's a new virus to us. And if you let it run its quote-unquote normal course, you'll get what may, the number of infections that may happen in a year for the flu will happen within a few weeks or a couple months of this thing, and and we can't handle it that fast, right? That's right. I mean, this is what they did in 1918. They let it run its course because they had no choice then, and they didn't understand the disease dynamics then, and look what happened. Yeah, Yeah. and I think they they only figured out the virus even existed as a uh, right. m- micro uh, organism a few years a few later years before that yeah mm-hmm. so yeah so I mean it's not like we're trying to keep everyone from getting it it's that we're trying to spread that out over trying to time. slow down the transmission we'd rate. like to do both and we're right. likely to do both with these measures and that's a very good thing so I think everybody should take this very, yeah, very, seriously. very seriously. And I think that finally we're starting to. Right, right. Um, and my other friend said, uh, Steve Thoreau from last yep. week, he said, you know, we won't know the answers to some of these questions until months or a year passes. So we've or got ever. To, or said, ever. Yeah. He said, we may never know. He said, we may, I think you mentioned this before, Dr. Allstad, is that, you know, we may do such a good job at this that it may look like it wasn't a big deal when actually it could have been the best thing that we've ever done. And we may never really know 
the answer. Was it not a big deal or would we just do a great job? But we have to do this because it's probably doing a great job. Yeah, so, so the testing we're doing is great, but it's not going to tell us what we need to know about the virus. What we need is we need randomized testing probably after this is all over to go back and look for antibodies and see how many people actually had it, how they were distributed. Um, we can't do that now. We don't have, we don't have the tests. Uh, it's going to be costly, yeah. but eventually we're going to have to yeah. do some yeah, the randomized people testing. like you in the world that study these things will come back and continue to study it. Once we're on doing something else and back of the beaches, there'll be people studying this thing for a long time to figure out what really happened, right? Absolutely. You know, I hadn't even thought about the fact that we could do some of this testing after the fact just to get a better understanding. Um, so you would know if someone had had this because they would show antibodies. Right. Like yeah. there's an Italian town yeah. that they just tested everybody. Yeah. Right. And they, you know, they found that there were a significant fraction of people that never had any symptoms that but tested had, positive. Mm-hmm. So, okay. This brings me to this point. Um, we didn't have testing here in the state for a while that was readily available. And so I talked to a few people who had their companies travel a lot. And they said, uh, one person in particular said, oh, listen, we had two people that were in Asia and came back and had all of these symptoms. And this was in like January, late January, maybe. And she's like, they had it. Trust me, they had it. It was the same thing, but there was no way to get tested and whatever. You had a virus a few weeks ago. Uh, your, your daughter, your wife had it as well. How do we know Don't that's not a target on him now? Will no, we, we <laughs> we've kind of talked about this, but like, how do we? But I'm not talking about just even specifically for your family. Like for other people that have had these similar things over the last couple of months, like how do we know that you didn't have it? No, we don't. And 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 my wife's symptoms were actually very very similar to what everybody's saying: high fever, cough, uh, very high fever. Uh, but it went away quickly. And so w- this is again, this is something we'll ultimately will want to find out by doing this randomized antibody testing to see who yeah. actually had it. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy yeah. stuff. Um, we get a, you want to take a break really quick and then we'll come back because I know uh, Dr. Ross said you have a question for Dr. Westfall. Um, yeah, so we're hanging out with Dr. Stephen Austad and of course Dr. Mark Westfall as well. Uh, Dr. Westfall, you asked the last question to Dr. Austad. So now, Dr. Austad, your turn. You asked Dr. Westfall a question. Yeah, so I'm I'm so glad that you're here tonight, Dr. Westfall, because I have uh, a lot of distressed students. They've had their lives disrupted. They've been sent home. They're not coming back. Some of them are supposed to graduate. They're kind of feeling un. I, they're just stressed out about what's going on. And I've sent out kind of mass emails to say, um, it's going to be okay. We're going to work this out. But I don't really know what I should be doing. And I also don't know if a student gets back to me, what to look for to see how, how they're taking it. So any advice you could uh, yeah, well, give I, me would be it, great. Sure. It's a, it's a great question. And I think, you know, that watching the human reaction to what's going on with this is, you know, obviously fascinating from my standpoint, but I think we're probably going to be more affected by our societal reaction to this than we, than we are as an individual by the virus itself, because the societal reaction is, is going to affect almost everybody. And the virus itself is not going to dramatically. Now, I'm not trying to downplay the virus at sure. all. I'm just saying we also have to take in mind the effect that that all of this change to our normal routine and the distancing and the isolation is going to have on us as humans. We're very social people, which I, that's why I like to hear what the meal fit guy is doing. I mean, yeah. that and, and uh, in the break we were talking about the the 
video in Italy where they're singing in the courtyard from each of their balconies. Those are the beautiful human responses to, to difficult times that I want to try to help people focus on. We are definitely going to get through this as a human species. This is, we, we, the human condition has been through much worse than this. I'm not downplaying. I'm saying right. we're going to get through it. And we just have to remind each other of that. And, yeah, just a simple reassuring word. I mean, you, the, the power you have as a professor to students, when you say it's going to be okay, that is powerful. And that's what mm. we need to make sure the leaders in the, in the community are doing. I loved hearing uh, Randall Woodfin come in and talk about it. He was saying, hey, go for a walk. Run, bike, you know, he's focused on the things that you can do. And I think when people are anxious, um, usually the, the things that make us the most anxious are the things that we think we don't have any control over the outcome of. And so frequently when someone's anxious, I say, what is it you're worried about? And they'll frequently say something that they really don't have any control of the outcome. Well, I'm worried that I'm going to get this virus or I'm worried it's going to affect so-and-so. I'm like, well, you know what? You don't have any control over that specific thing, but focus on what you do have control over. Take the right measures to try to not be the vector. Um, focus on someone else in the community that may be in need because they've lost their job and see if you can donate. You know, there, there are things you definitely can do that will make you feel better, that will make you feel connected, that will calm your anxiety. When you are doing something constructive, mm. it calms your anxiety. So I frequently, the, the, the approach is to try to help someone move from the thing they're anxious over that probably they don't have any control over. If they have control over it, then help them be effective, okay? So you, you, you can do this and, yeah. and help them be effective at it. But if it's something they're worried about that they don't have control over, then move them to something they have control over, something they can do something about. So I, I want to challenge the community. If you're out there and you have uh, maybe your job hadn't been affected, um, so even if you're working from home, maybe it's been affected but you still have income, Look around to your friends and neighbors or others and find out who has lost their job because it's dependent upon social gatherings like restaurants and those mm. kind of things. And, and just ask them, what can I do to help? You'll be amazed what's going on out there. It's, it's just uplifting to see what humanity is doing for other humanity. I mean, we even have the Republicans and Democrats coming together on bills in Congress. No. I mean, that's a powerful force right there. I mean, they weren't, they're never together on anything. So as humans, we're going to rally around this. We're going to combat it as a team, and we're going to be okay. And you just have to reassure people, I think, in the big scheme of things. So now if someone, you mentioned what I do, if someone's like, I don't know if they really need other kind of help. I mean, obviously there are times people, people with anxiety disorders, this is really not a good time for them because they tend to worry about things, uh, you know, beyond what the average person worries about. That's what the condition is about. So um, if your reassurance doesn't seem to be helping, then certainly put them in, in touch with someone who does it for a living and, and they'll let them work on it for a while because uh, that's what they do. Um, but it, it's, it is a time of a lot of anxiety. And one other thing, point I'll make is when y'all were talking before, uh, listen to, to the, the person from uh, Montgomery, what was his name? Oh, Neil Rafferty. Neil yeah. Rafferty yeah. and, then, mm -hmm. and yeah. then the mayor and, and listen to Dr. Austin. I'm thinking, you know, you can almost feel like you're having two different conversations. It's like you need to talk to the people who are ignoring it completely and say, no, this is pretty serious. You need to listen. And then there are people who are just freaking out because their mind is in a completely different end of the spectrum. And you need to say, you know, we're going to be okay. It is, it is important, but we're going to make it through it. So there's, we have to balance as a, 
as leaders of the community how to communicate what's being said. And I, I really think the people you've had on tonight have been wonderful. You guys are awesome, Dr. Allstats. I mean, uh, it's it's really a, a great resource that you guys are providing yeah. to the community to help them be informed, uh, but not inflamed, right? Oh, sure, right. No, panic doesn't serve anyone, yeah, right. right? But we need to be serious, but we need to also, you know, keep our yeah, wits about we us. We can do this. That's right. Yeah. yeah, we can rally. And, you know, part of it has been the response from listeners. And there was a... A talk, I don't know when that was, maybe Monday, uh, it was a kind of statewide meeting about, hmm. hey, anyone who wants to kind of take a step back now, we understand. And you, everybody can kind of have your space and, and um, not feel like you need to do your show or come into the studio. And, you know, we talked about it. We're like, gosh, I don't think that's even possible right now because of the response we've already gotten. And people are saying how important, not, not what we're doing, but just important that there it is, is a discussion. Yeah. That there's a discussion and a place that they feel like they can go where there's not that hype and that kind of, it's not sensationalized, it's just information and just yeah. people talking about it with people like you guys who are professionals and uh, Lord knows we're not. So yeah. that's why that's why we're going to continue to do it for as long as they'll let us. And even if we have to do it from home, which is a possibility, we can do that. Yeah. So yeah. whatever. Well, you, you, you guys are a conduit for great conversation. So Can, can I interject a, a bit of good news here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. In about... An hour and a half, the vernal equinox will be here, the earliest it's been in over 25 years. And so it's going to be, by the time people wake up tomorrow, it's spring. Spring. So enjoy. That is awesome. And, uh, you know, it's these kinds of things that are normal things in our life. We always talk about it's a vernal equinox, whatever, that now it's all just like in the background. All like the normal stuff that we would yeah. be talking about. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's just not on the forefront. But, you know, you can focus on those things. I mean, you, when you're at home, if you're in isolation, there, there's more time to think about these type of things. And I, I went for a run the other day at kind of an example of, of simple life, uh, a trail I've been on many times, and it, there's houses that back up to it. Normally, there's nobody uh, in their yards when I'm on this trail. Mm. And this time, every house had the the kids, presumably from that house in the backyard, their parents were sitting in chairs watching them because there was no soccer games, there were no meetings for parents. It was like, that was like, you know, childhood. That's what I remember growing up. It's like, yeah, okay, there's some simplicity here. So it's not, it's not all just fearful and, and, and horrible things. I mean, it's going to make us reevaluate what's important and focus on those things and enjoy the moment. Enjoy what you're doing right now. Think about others. Think for others and help others, but also be in the moment a little bit. And fun fact, um, at the exact moment of the equinox, you can get a broom to stand up uh, exactly <laughs> exactly. I was going to say, you know, we were uh, debunking stuff on the morning show at some point recently. I guess it was around that broom thing, which we had to point out to people that the vernal equinox is not the only time an egg will stand up, but that's something that can happen throughout the year, and yeah. it's just if you have the right egg at the right angle and all that. It's not, it's, it has nothing to do with that day. I love this pseudoscience salt. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know about the Coriolis effect that causes oh, sure. the water to mm-hmm. swirl? So I was actually on the equator in East Africa, and there was a guy who would take a bucket and walk over to one side of the equator and set it down and could watch it swirl one way, and then he would go to the other side and watch it swirl... And the Coriolis effect doesn't work 
on that right. small, scale, small scale, but he had a scam that he was going. Because he and just it was would great. start it. Whatever yeah. way he would start yeah, it there. Exactly. Yeah. I loved it. This guy found a way to make a living. I like it, it too. It's human ingenuity. I love that, you know? Yeah, I've seen those videos. and it's uh, If you just saw the video, it'd be like, that's convincing. It's, look at that. It's right there on the other side. That's money down the toilet. <laughs> no. Not how it works. Yeah, you know, similarly, my neighborhood, uh, we're sidewalks. We have sidewalks everywhere. And generally speaking, it's the same running group. That's who you see all the time. But boy, this past week, I've seen so many new neighbors because people now have slowed down a bit. And mm-hmm. the, there's no soccer games to rush off to, yep. uh, you know, church services, all this stuff. So the sidewalks, while people are not like hugging and whatever, it's still, it's just packed. There are people everywhere. Yeah. And so now like all the gyms are closed. So me and, you know, my friends now are going to this park and we're separating them or whatever. And we're working out there and like, all these other families are out there, but it's not, there's no close contact, but it's just like there's bustling activity everywhere. I will say this is a terrible time to have a new dog who is undergoing heartworm treatment and is not supposed to run, but also is territorial because (laughs) every time he goes out of the house, there's someone walking in front of my house and he dashes across to bark at them. And at some point it's going to kill him. Uh, no. Good stuff. Hey, let's take a quick break. When we come back more with Dr. Stephen Ostad and Dr. Mark Westfall. I'm Will Lockamy. That's Reed Lockamy. This hour of the show brought to you by Good People Brewing Company. Don't forget, they still will have curbside service. And tomorrow, it's a special day because starting at noon, they'll be out there with tents, uh, hanging out so you can come by and grab some beer and Tortuga's Pizza. Mm-hmm. You can grab by the slice. You don't have to get a whole pizza. There you go. Just come on and get a slice of pizza and hang out. And, uh, yeah, support businesses that we love very dearly. This hour, yeah, I just said it. There you go. Let's come back after this. Uh, the Lonely Biscuits here, friend of ours, some friends of ours out of Nashville. The song's called Talk About on Birmingham Mountain Radio. Oh, 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 stop, oh, stop, oh, 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 I can't breathe. Stop. Birmingham's best radio station, Birmingham Mountain Radio. No. Oh, oh boy, dear. I think she's actually hurt. No, there. I think she is. Yeah, she's Ouch. hurt. She took a hard fall off there. BehamMountainRadio.com. Back to our brother Will Lockme. That is Reed Lockme over there. It's Birmingham Mountain Radio hanging out with all kinds of folks tonight. Uh, the mayor stopped by for a mm-hmm. bit. It, it's funny because we interact all the time, and he's never been on the show, the show or the morning morning show before, and he was scheduled for tomorrow. Ended up that's not going to happen, but there yeah. he was, just riding his bike by and came by to hang out. Nice so. guy. Oh yeah, yeah, super yeah. dude. There's no question about it. Um, also, that tire strip, that tech strip you threw out worked. <laughs> Right? That's how it works. The mayor's coming. And it's like, throw it out really quickly and bust his tire out. And Yeah. State Rep Neil Rafferty, also uh, glad to have him in as well. Always good information there. And now hanging out with our friends, Dr. Stephen Ostad from UAB and Dr. Mark Westfall as well. Uh, psychiatrist, right? So we have two different sides of this. Um, the the science biology side and then the science brain side. Um, so today there was a press conference and the big thing was that there may be some treatments on the way. You can talk to us about that, Dr. Ross. Right. There's actually a lot of a lot of things in the works. But before people jump on them, we need to make sure that, first of all, they're safe, and secondly, they're effective. And so um, there are at least um, 11 vaccines 
that are in the works. Some of them they've already started to test. Moderna's got one that are already testing. That's not going to be here to help us out this year. But maybe by next year, if, if this comes back, you know, we do have a lot of things. We're developing treatments. Um, the one that came out today was uh, an anti-malarial drug called chloroquine uh, and an antibiotic that the combination uh, really seemed to have a pretty dramatic effect. We'll hope that turns out. Don't run out and buy this stuff because I've taken these drugs because it's the same drugs you take to treat malaria. And one of the side effects is 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 your hearing your hearing goes. You get Ooh. this ringing in your ears from it. So before people do that, let's wait to make sure that it's all approved. We have lots of evidence that it works. Right now, it's pretty anecdotal. So I just don't mm. want people to say, yeah. "Oh, I heard this on the internet. I'm right. gonna go out and buy this stuff and start taking it." And but chloroquine, by the way, is like an 86 year old drug. I mean, this is like it's this right. is not something new. I mean, obviously it's been around, for, but 86 years—that's that's a long time ago. That's like as old as Don Lupo. Bugs are old, that's, man. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, it's sure. it's almost never used. It used to be used as a prophylactic. Uh, that is a preventative for mm. malaria, but it's almost never used because all the malaria is resistant to it now for that. But it still works as a treatment. It's kind of it's kind of yeah. strange. So to the vaccine, because when uh, Landon Westfall was here last week, he said it would probably be one to two years before they came up with one. Uh, is something accelerating faster? Because I, I thought I heard Moderna had already they, like, they t- skipped they in- over animals and they were like getting ready to do phase two. Is human- well, they're in phase one now in Seattle, and here's the problem. So if this were if this were a monkey vaccine, it would be very easy to test you know we we give it to all to all the monkeys and we give half of the monkeys the placebo and half of them this and then we purposely expose them to the virus and see if they were protected with humans you can't purposely expose them to the virus so it's harder you have to give it to a bunch of people in a place where they're almost certain to get it and then look at the response so if this is phase one then they have to go to phase two and phase three and then they have to scale up production mm-hmm. so i think even even though they've already started to phase one it's still going to be a, could you potentially like pick a certain group to test on like people who pay with checks at the grocery store and like uh, apply it to them and then if you know half of them no i think it's you want to have the people in the in the express line that have more than 10 items that, that's, that's a good group too i would test it on i've got a lot of ideas I, about i want who to the test. ones with all the toilet paper that's right yeah <laughs> That no. <laughs> is the, the oh, which by the way, so this whole like running out, and I'd love to know what that is about people's brains that makes them, uh, you know, what's it called? Uh, when you hoard, hoard, yeah, hoard, but also like anxiously buying things that they don't need today. No kidding, on mm-hmm. the way home on I 65 southbound, right around Oxmoor, uh, what looked like a truck of toilet paper had felt there was toilet paper all over oh, wow. and i was like oh, oh no no this, somebody's gonna was, stop and yeah were they it up. scrambling for it no know. but it was it was every it was spread out all over how the about place. that yeah that or some teenagers just got excited yeah. and started tp in the interstate but war eagle yeah. yeah i mean i mean you know anxiety is, is can go quote unquote viral in and of itself right i mean people are it's so contagious and when you once you see someone acting in a way that looks like they're protective uh, of futuristic things. It's hard to not get caught up in it. We are we're kind of a herd kind of thing. If the herd's running in a certain direction, many people follow just because the other person is doing it. It's very humanistic 
to do that. It's not. It's within our nature to do that. So that's why it's important to keep coming back to you know what what the reality of it is and help people understand you know what they're really need to be focused on. But it's people trying to you know take care of their anxiety, doing something they trying to plan and do something to prevent what they think might happen, which is a catastrophe, or they think it the world really does go to this you know martial. Uh, law kind of thing, and they can't get out and do things. They want to make sure they have everything they think they might need. Now, why they focus on toilet paper? That one is a little so bit weird. I mean, we are a little caught up as a society compared to some other countries with regards to our our bodily wastes and and our sexuality. I mean, Americans tend to be somewhat on the more conservative side of that. So you know, it's it's somewhere deep in our DNA. It's all goes back to that. It has something to do with. Like uh, part of our genetics, but surely it's just a oh I heard there's not going to be much more toilet paper I need to go buy a bunch of toilet paper right and because if you if anyone just thought about it they'd think well I have some toilet paper and maybe well, I need a little more think, and if it, it worst case scenario I have that shower thing right there next to the <laughs> toilet like it just doesn't but it some doesn't people seem are like disgusted by that I think that's what it is I think we have a high level of a feeling of disgust in in our society for some segments some people have more disgust than others. And so they can't fathom the idea of not being able to go through their normal routine. So if I'm quarantined for a month, I don't want to run out. I'm, I'm not speaking for me. I'm speaking for them. That's what they're thinking, I think. Well, I'm just going to say buying toilet paper is for amateurs. Uh, I went out two days ago and bought a whole new toilet. So I'm really <laughs> proud of myself. And, yes. you know, it, back in the, I would tell people back in the old days, we used to have cloth diapers and you wash them. I mean, so, you know. I can't even imagine. Well, Our, my point is, is you, you've got cloth, plenty of cloths right? at home. Yeah. You can figure it out. He wore cloth diapers. No, no, no. I look. I'm a dad. So, at the risk of embarrassing my daughters who are Uh here, I wouldn't want to do this. But we one time, my wife was very much in favor of cloth diapers for environmental reasons. Mm -hmm. So we took a cross country trip, and we took a bag so that we could put all the diapers in this bag and bring them back across oh. the country. And it was the middle of the summer. Wow. It was like 110 degrees wow. in campus in Kansas. Yeah. And I said, if something happens to that bag, they're going to find us slumped over the steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> that is an awesome image. <laughs> And, you, and then you, it turns out it wasn't all that environmentally friendly. No. Anyway, right, after we didn't all. realize that. It takes a lot of water to. Yeah. No, no. Uh, did you and Darby, your kids are too young. Y'all didn't use No, no, no. But I remember my, um, my brother's about seven years younger than me, and I can remember the, the people delivering the diapers during all that time. But no, my, our kids were in the. We had the, the first of those, uh, you know. Uh, diaper genie things. I can remember when those came out. They put one in and uh, twist. I, they were gross, too. Oh, I my could, gosh. Yeah. I would just, uh, yeah, out to the garbage, done. <laughs> oh, <laughs> kids are the worst. Yep. Yeah. Mm. So I'll never yeah, have another yeah. one. Yeah. Diapers. So, so one of the things that I think has been implicit in a lot of what Dr. Westfall says is strikes me as a, a really good way to think about what's going on now is that I think people that freak out are people that spend all their time thinking about themselves. But if you can think about what can I do to help somebody else yes. out here, yeah, uh, I think that turns things around in your brain. I f- that's phenomenal. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, I, I use frequently when people come in and they're they're rightfully focused on something that has happened to them that's been traumatic, and I will tell them this may sound strange, but what I want you to do is go turn around and do something for somebody else. It's human nature when you start caring or taking care of something besides yourself, you you. You can pull that, 
your thoughts from inward to outward, and that's what you need to do. You need to help people get out of, the, out of their own brain. And so the problem is when you're isolated at home, sometimes it's hard to do. So we've got all this amazing technology now to communicate to people. Yeah. Use it. I mean, for example, I mean, my mom is, lives alone in Georgia, and she has a lady who periodically comes and, and goes shopping for her because my mom can't get out anymore. And that lady possibly was exposed to coronavirus, so my mom called and said, hey, uh, not sure what to do here. And I said, well, you know, you're 80, so probably just, you know, she doesn't have it, but she's been exposed to somebody in the family. Let's just not do that. She said, well, what am I going to do about groceries? So my wife and I, we were over here in Birmingham. I said, well, let's hop online. And we found, she lives in a small town, so there's not all this, right. you know, there's not a lot of, of services. And, um, and But luckily there was this uh, delivery service that works, that goes to various um uh, grocery stores, and so we put an order in online, and they went and picked it up. It was, took a couple of days, but those things couldn't have happened in 1918 right. during the flu. You know, people were just isolated. So, you know, you got to reach out, talk to them more uh, on the phone. You know, get back to the phone conversations, get off the text, and get start talking. You know, yeah. um, that's that's uh, human connections. You guys would be blown away by. Well, you wouldn't be surprised by our listeners and how awesome they are and, and wonderful and want to help, but. Uh, You'd be blown away if you re- if you were the person receiving the you know messages we get. I mean, they're lined up right here. The messages we get from folks and the texts and emails, like, "Hey, what can I do? Like, I want to volunteer to do this." And it's overwhelming to like, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not the coordinator for that, but let me see what I can, you know, whatever. And so uh, it's been a cool. Ex- that's been one of the bright sides. Yeah. Of well, this. the more of those you share with other pe- listeners, right. you know, because. Sometimes you just need an idea. It's hard to come up with the idea, but you hear a good idea. Oh, I like that. I mean, you know, um, imitations of what best form of flattery. So sure. repeat yeah. something cool you hear. You don't have to be creative and do it yourself. Just hey, that's I like that one. I'm gonna go do, I'm gonna use it myself. So pass those things on. I would encourage. Let's have a moment where listeners. I mean, not necessarily right now, but where listeners say the coolest thing I've heard about helping someone else in this situation yeah. today. Yeah. You know, just share the good news of how people are helping other people. And, you know, I feel like I read something, uh, gosh, in, in the past couple of years about um, the hurricane hypothesis, about the way in which oftentimes when something devastating happens, people find like a peace and comfort right in the wake of that because all of a sudden they're coming together as a community. I know we're not supposed to do that physically, but they're looking for ways to help one another, and all of a sudden they have this very intense purpose in their life. Yeah. So maybe that's a good way to handle yeah. uh, anxiety. We all... Everyone in this in the world right now has yeah. a common enemy. Right. What better to bring people together, right? Yep. So that's how we mm. humans. You're talking about the virus. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. We come back uh, a few more minutes. We'll be hanging out for the rest of the show with Dr. Stephen Ostad and Mark Westfall as well. Just a few more minutes left in the show. Still hanging out with Dr. Mark Westfall. And now let's talk to a uh, COVID-19 survivor, Marika. No, but maybe, we don't know. We <laughs> have no yeah, idea. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, Dr. Ostad's daughter, Marika, joins us now. Uh, you're here all the time, but never on the mic. This no, is the first time? Really? Yeah, first time. I talked her into it while you were out of the room. Yeah, yeah so what, I was a little shy. What, what's going on? What are we doing here? Well, uh, she was talking. She was sharing her thoughts about anxiety, and her, she recently went to the grocery store, and I'm going to just lead it over to her. Yeah, so I went to the grocery store, and I saw everything was being depleted and so I started looking at products and thinking do I need that product why is everybody buying that product should I get one of those panic buying that was kind of, that's yeah, what I was trying the to panic think of buying and and I you know so I would go okay do I need one of these why is everybody and I would go in my head why is somebody buying this and then you know I have 
more than two people in my home. I have six people in my home. And so then I, w- I went to buy just dinner. And because everybody was buying everything, I thought, well, if I'm just getting dinner, but I come back tomorrow and everything's gone, will I be able to buy dinner tomorrow night? So maybe I need to buy dinner for the next four nights because it's not going to be available if I come back tomorrow. So it really gets in your yeah, head. Yeah, it's, it's that survival kind of thing. Yeah. And it's almost, I told her, it's almost like the FOMO, right? Fear of missing out, except yeah. you're you're, you're worried you're going to miss out on the apocalypse survival. It's like, well, yeah. wait a minute. Well, are, these people, are they thinking of something I'm not thinking of? Right. Because otherwise, why would all these things be missing? Because you tend to think rationally. These people must be thinking rationally. And am I missing out? Right. But it's the like reality is, is they're not thinking rationally. Right. right. Why is everybody buying Crisco? Do I need Crisco? That was something I bought. I, ne- I don't think I've ever bought Crisco I've never bought Crisco in my life. life. Never. And then Crisco's gone, and I'm like, grab a jar of that real quick. What if we need Crisco? But, but for real, and here's where it gets, like, serious, I think. Uh, so today, I went again to a business that was over, like, First Avenue North, Avondale-ish area, and there were there was a rumor going around in this business about, Birmingham was going to shut down. Like the mayor was going to make an announcement. And I was privy because of the job that I have of the actual announcement that was going to be made. But of course, I could have just not known about that. And so, so they were loading stuff out because they were worried about riots. I'm not kidding. This is what was going on. And they were dealing firearms back and forth. A non-gun owner no was trying to buy firearms to protect himself because of the panic that he felt was coming tonight. Like yeah. right now, this right. this day. Because this of happened the announcement tonight. of announcement closing was, non-essential businesses and that kind of thing. Or yeah, it was more than, than that. that. Like but, that was the actual announcement. But, but I'm saying the announcement that was coming that actually said that there was more to it, supposedly. It was going to be a strict all-day, they thought like this strict all-day curfew kind of no going out yeah. anywhere and that there was going to be looting and rioting. Which is not what happened, right. mm-hmm. listening happened. audience. Now, I will tell you this, <laughs> that... Don't make don't end on an anxiety note there, Will. Don't go there. Oh no, no, no. I'm just saying that I do think uh there is the possibility coming up because I know that it has already been discussed and it was for legal reasons it didn't happen today, that we may have like a nine PM type of curfew to keep like, people from going out Saturday. early. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. is but already stay, happening in cities and yeah, it could but not stay in your house all day and you can't go anywhere. Yeah, no, there's no. not being shut down like that. No. I don't quite understand the guns. I don't understand why we would need guns. You know, hopefully we're not going to well, be killing each other. The zombie apocalypse is coming next. Yeah, well, I think I think that's a fear of the unknown. It was a, it was, the they fear were of the unknown. About What's going to happen? Looting and rioting. Yeah, and that was do a, I need to protect business, myself? These were business owners across the street from each other talking about one of them had guns, one of them didn't, and they were like, yeah. can I buy some guns from you so I can... Yeah. If I yeah, shoot yeah. you, that's can real. you shoot me? <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. It's good to plan ahead. The good news is you don't need to go buy guns. We're going to be fine. Food line, the food chain's not going to stop. And and I went to Publix today too, just by happenstance, and and I had not been there in a while. And um, the the uh, one of the workers walked down the aisle, and the the bread aisle was full. He goes, "Let there be bread." Apparently, it was empty. He said it was empty an hour ago. He said, "But we get shipments every day, but it just keeps selling out." He said, "The supply chains are fine. It's just that people keep buying Mm. stuff." I'm thinking. Who do you need to buy stock? I need to buy toilet paper. If I'd known next time, I'm I'm putting. I don't buy stocks, but I know. You know but toilet paper and bread and apparently Crisco, Crisco are the go-to yeah. items. We do live in Alabama. We should do like a walk through the grocery store and just look at 
what items are gone and then try to do some psychoanalysis on why is that item gone? So there's all of these items are left, but this item is gone. Why is that? Cause so it's I need bizarre. to buy Crisco stock is what I'm hearing. Uh, That's maybe, the, I don't yeah. know. Apparently, okay. according to her, she's Crisco out over there. Did you guys see this, that uh, breweries now are being able to make hand sanitizer and sanitizing spray by the leftover non-drinkable alcohol? And oh, again, so, so Dread River, I know, is one, and they're getting it's free. They're not selling it; they're giving it out for free. What, the, That's gr- great. what a great yeah. name for hand sanitizer! Mm-hmm. The Dread River, the Dread, 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 right? <laughs> Dread River free. <laughs> don't it. drink this alcohol sanitizer. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Cool. No doubt. Um, and what a cool show this has been! Uh, yeah. A bunch of friends hanging Thank, out, and thanks. and fitting for our last show for a yeah. while with people here in the studio. So uh, we'll figure out what's going to be going on next week. Maybe we'll be kind of a remote situation or. Uh, yeah, I don't know. A bunch of people on the phone, probably. We'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'll see you guys tomorrow morning, bright and early, 6 a.m. here. Reg and I will try to act normal as we sit in different rooms. And that's how it should be anyway, really. Let's that's just right. admit it. <laughs> Let's just admit it. Go to your separate corner. I don't need to catch whatever he's got all year long, not just now. All right. Good stuff. Thanks to uh, Mayor Randall Woodford for stopping by. Also, state rep. Of course, Neil Rafferty, Dr. Stephen Austad from UAB, and Dr. Mark Westfall, and Marika Austad as well. Molly, you get a shout out as well. There you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to listen to Dr. Mark Westfall live, check out O Brother Radio on Birmingham Mountain Radio, 107.3 FM in Birmingham, 97.5 in Tuscaloosa, at bhammountainradio.com, or on the free BMR app. Join in with your questions and comments on Twitter at Lockamy Brothers. <laughs>